Okay, I'm going to try this again. Turned around. All right, I hope that's good. I really hope that's good. What do you think? You see anything? All right, if you're listening on if you're listening on blog talk, hold on just a second. Okay, it just went live. How's that? Can you see it? Well, let's try it another way. How about that? That work now? Okay. All right. That's going to throw everybody off on there, but that'll be all right. Well, good evening. Good to see everybody. And if you're listening in on Blog Talk Radio, uh, we're. Send Stephanie a text or something. Send something into the group text and let us know that, we, that you're listening tonight. That way I'll know you're there. And uh, if you're listening to us on Facebook, we're glad to be with you. I was kind of joking earlier. I said this would be an episode of Quarantine Baptist Church as we're, as we're kind of uh, in quarantine tonight. As, as my wife has COVID, I'm not tested yet, but I'm certainly not feeling my best, so I wouldn't be surprised if I had it too. And uh, thankfully, it's so far so so good it's not the worst thing we've ever experienced, and we're hoping and praying that we get through this very easily, and we covet your prayers. We ask you to lift us up in prayer that God will get us through this. So we'll be meeting remotely tonight, and we'll also be meeting, meeting remotely on Sunday. So there won't be anybody at the church building, so you won't be able to go there, but you'll be welcome to uh, log in and uh, catch our broadcast on Facebook or log in on www.blogtalkradio.com and follow uh, forward slash old path broadcast. Let me give that to you again. If you're listening in uh, on Facebook and you may have to listen on Blog Talk Radio, you can reach us at www.blogtalkradio, all one word, forward slash old paths broadcast, all one word. And you can listen in that way. But anyway, we're glad you're here tonight. Let's open with a word of prayer. Ask God to meet with us. And then we're going to have a song afterward. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, for this ability for us to have the technology to be able to reach our, our church body, even though we may not be able to meet together in person. Father, we're grateful for that. And, Father, we ask you to bless us tonight as we come together here to meet. Lord, we ask for your Holy Ghost to uh, empower us, Lord, to speak the word of God in truth and empower Lord, that you might reach lives, Father, not only our church body that meets, but, Father, all those who who are interested enough to listen in. And, Father, we pray you touch them tonight. We pray you speak to their hearts. Lord, I pray I pray for young people to listen to this especially tonight, knowing the, the importance of, of nailing down uh, truths before we set out into this life. And, Father, I wish I'd known the things that I'm going to teach tonight. It would have saved me a lot of heartache and a lot of troubles in life. Lord, please bless me tonight. Help me to sing. Help me to preach. And, and I'll give you all the glory. I lift up everyone in our church who's going through this. And, Lord, I know there are others in our church 
they're also suffering with COVID, and Lord, we pray for them that you would touch their bodies now and give them the healing that they need. We pray you protect the others. And, Lord God, we just pray for the ones uh, who are facing some medical difficulties. Don't want to air everybody's business out tonight. But, Lord, there's some who are, who are facing some medical issues. Lord, my father-in-law is facing surgery and knee replacement. Father, we want to pray for him. Lord, that you will guide those doctors, friends, and nurses and, and give him the healing he needs. Father, we pray uh, for Miss Cheney in our church who's facing some things. And we ask you, please, to help her as well as Brother Dan and Miss Anya. Lord, and, and uh, any others, Lord, uh, uh, Miss Bonnie's family, we lift them up to you, Lord. Just pray for all those who are dealing with this. And we just ask your, your blessing, Lord. We ask, Father, that you might uh, give us what we need, the healing that we need, the touch that we need. And we'll give you the glory and the praise for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to have a song tonight before we go any further. Bible. 
because it is just full of wisdom. That's what it is. It's the wisdom book. And God has given us this wisdom, and he's given it to us freely. And aren't we grateful that God is so merciful? Amen? Church, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your prayers. I'm thankful for your love, and I'm thankful for your friendship and fellowship. And I pray that wherever you're at tonight, the Lord's blessing you, and I pray this message will bless you. For my friends on Facebook who are, who are listening tonight, I'm glad you're here. And I hope that you'll listen and that God will use this tonight to give you some wisdom and help in your life. And those of you who might be listening in, never seen us before, never never heard of us before, uh, you might be watching or listening, I just want to welcome you, and I want to thank you and ask you to, to stay tuned and let God speak to your heart tonight from the Word of God. Hope you like my King James Bible shirt. Amen. I wore that specially to some of y'all. Amen. And uh, you, you, you give me a little grace tonight. I'm not wearing a dress shirt or tie, but, hey, I'm on quarantine with my wife, so we're going to do what we're going to do tonight. But anyway, let's get into the Bible and let's read. I want to I want to look here in chapter four, and uh, I want to kind of set this up by backing up just a hair and kind of addressing the passage we looked at last week. Uh, you know, all through the book of, of Proverbs, this is Solomon speaking to his son, and he's giving him wisdom so that he doesn't make the same mistakes that he made. And I know if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about, because unfortunately. A lot of our children, and I say a lot because there are some, thank God, who listen and respect what mom and dad says and try to follow that wisdom, and they usually have a very successful start in life. But there are others, and, and there are some really not-headed kids out there who absolutely say, no, i got to find this out for myself. I know you're trying to tell me, Daddy, but I'm going to find it out for myself. And, uh, you know, I was one of those stupid kids who had that mentality and I paid the price for it, and I suffered for a great many years due to my own stupidity. So this message tonight would have been perfect for me uh, back around 1985-86. would have been excellent for me to hear. It would have saved me a lot of grief and heartache. So anyway, tonight's message, if you're with me, tonight's message, the title of it is Please Pay Attention. Please Pay Attention. But let's read here. We're going to begin in verse 14, and we're going to read down to verse 27 verses 20 verses verses 20 through 20 y'all have to give, forgive savannah my little girl she's in the background and she's don't understand we're having church uh chapter uh, verse 20 through 27 is our text tonight but we're going to be reading backing up reading 14 through 27 so let's read enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men avoid it pass not by it Turn from it and pass away. For they sleep not except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more under the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. And now our text for tonight, verses 20 through 27. Solomon goes on to say, My son, attend to my words, and incline, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips, put far from thee. Let thine eyes Look right on, and let thine eyelids 
look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let thine, all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. And again, let's pray. Father, help us now. Touch the word of God. Touch us, Father. Speak to us with it. Holy Ghost, help me now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. As we're getting into this, I just want, again, I want to say that this is not a, a daddy barking orders at his child. This is not mean old man trying to ruin my life and tell me how to live. This is, this is a daddy that loves his son. And any, any father that loves his son, any mother that loves her daughter, or vice versa, uh, whether, whether your daughter or son, you love your child. And you want them to you want them to start life out successfully. You want them to have a a, a relatively pain free life. Now we know that everybody's going to have tribulation. The Bible tells us that, but we want them to have a very successful launch into this world. But if we don't do it properly and we don't pay attention to the wisdom that's given to us, we're going to have a hard road to hoe. And that's where we're coming from tonight. So let's look at it tonight. First of all, in this, I want you to see that that there is a plea a plea on Solomon's part to be heard. He's crying out for his son, Rehoboam, to listen to his word. Verse 20 through 22, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. So let's look there at the very first part of 20 there. He says, My son, Attend to my words. That word attend, it doesn't just mean show up because, you know, we've been present in church a lot of Sunday. I'm not picking on anybody. Don't get me wrong. But I've been there, too, because I wasn't always a pastor. We've been, we've been present in church a lot of Sundays, and we really don't remember what was preached because we really were daydreaming or we was about half asleep sometimes. So, I, 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 you know, we're all guilty of that at times. We can... We can sit through a meeting at work and not hear what was said because we were looking at our phone and we were daydreaming and we were dozing off. It can happen anywhere. We are all guilty at times, but when something very, very vital is being said, we should perk up and listen. When something that's life or death is being spoken to us, that's not the time to take a nap. It's time to listen. And he says, attend to my words. It means pay attention. Soak this up. Take this in. Write this on your tables of your heart. The less, here's the thing, the, the lessons of wisdom, the lessons of wisdom, you can give them all day long. But you know that old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink? Well, you can lead a, a child to wisdom, but you can't make them take it into their heart. And that's the sad reality of it. Solomon often urged his son to pay attention and to keep his eyes on the lessons of wisdom that was right in front of him, that he was giving him. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 27, this passage we're reading tonight, it makes mention, I want you to see this, it makes mention of the body at least 11 times in this passage from 20 to 27. It mentions the eyes, it mentions the feet, it mentions the heart. Feet and heart are mentioned two different times, so that's six things. And then the ear, that's seven. Flesh, that's eight. Mouth, that's nine. Lips, that's ten. And eyelids, all those are mentioned once, so 11 different times that the body is mentioned in the scripture. Now, why is that? 
God's word here is speaking powerfully on how we can dedicate and we need to dedicate each part of our body to wisdom and to honoring God. That's what I mean by wisdom. If we give ourselves and, and dedicate ourselves, not just our inner self, not just our soul, our spirit, but we dedicate also our body. We, it's, called, it's called submitting yourself to God. You know, the Bible says to submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So if you want to have any chance of, of battling against this common enemy that we have in Satan, you've got to learn to submit yourself to God. So that's talking about your flesh, too. You can't just live however you want to, do whatever you want to, and serve God. That don't work. You can't serve the devil, burn your life, or the candle of your life in service to the devil, and then blow the smoke in God's face. That's not how this works. So we need to make sure that we're dedicating our bodies to God and, 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 and honoring him with our, with our bodies as well as our life. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul he talked about this. He wrote about yielding the parts of the members of our bodies to God. In Romans 6, 12, and 13, he talks about that. Listen to what he says. He says, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. Now, when something reigns, it's, it's an authority. It's a king's reign. Talk about the reigns of kings and queens. Sin, if we are submitting to it, we're bowing down to it like a person would to a king or a queen. He said, therefore, let, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. So when, when lusts come to us and we yield to it, we give in, say, oh, it won't hurt. I'll just go ahead and do this. It won't be no big deal. We're, we're bowing down instead of God, to God. We're bowing down to sin and making sin our king. And we're, we're being in, 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 in absolute, uh, in a state of absolute hatred toward God. You say, I'd never be that way, not on purpose, but you, your flesh it, it, your flesh is not subject. Uh, it's not subject to uh, to you unless you put it in submission to you. It's subject to sin unless you make it submit. So, so God here is talking about that we need to we need to crucify our flesh, and the Bible tells us that we're to crucify our flesh. We're to we're to beat it down and keep it under, as Paul says. Uh, he says he says in verse thirteen, neither yield. Ye your members. When you yield, you're you're giving way to something else. Okay. When you yield on the highway, you're letting that big truck go so it don't run over you. You're waiting and letting it go past before you go and and go behind it. So he's saying, don't yield your members. Don't give your hands to wickedness. Don't let your feet just be turned over to wickedness. Don't let your mind, your mouth, your eyes, your ears be turned over to wickedness. Your heart be turned over to wickedness because if you if you don't fight against it, if you don't work against it, if you don't do it on purpose, by default, Satan is going to gain access to your members, and he's going to ruin your life. He says, he says, don't yield your member. He says, don't yield them to sin. He said, but instead, he's saying, yield yourselves unto God. Don't, because God is your king. It's not sin anymore. When we were lost before we got saved, you know, we, we served sin. We couldn't do anything else because we didn't know how to. But if you're saved tonight, if you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, not saying you're a church member, not saying you walked an aisle, shook a preacher's hand, got baptized, fell down on the floor, babbled like a, like a lunatic for a while, had some kind of weird experience somewhere, joined a cult, I'm saying if you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm saying if you've been forgiven according to what the Scripture calls salvation, amen, 
If you if you if that's happened, then you're not to yield yourself anymore to sin. You're to yield yourself to God. Give Him you. <laughs> A lot of times preachers will say, "Come down here and yield yourself to God, or give yourself to God, or surrender yourself to God." You're going to serve something. You're either going to serve sin or you're going to serve God. Okay, either the devil or Christ. That's one of the two. You're not going to serve anybody else. So, he says, yield yourself as members, your, yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Amen. Y'all, in other words, there ought to be some life in you to save. The life of Christ ought to be in you, and it ought to show up, and there ought to be a desire in you to live for God instead of just to live how the rest of the world lives and say, well, I'm as good as they are, because hey, if they're lost, why are you comparing yourself? He says, yield your members, that's your hands, your feet, your mouth, your eyes, your nose, your ears, whatever, your parts of your body, your mind, as instruments of righteousness unto God. So God wants to use your body. He wants to use you. The Holy Ghost of God lives in you. He wants to manifest the life of Christ through you. All right? So he's saying we need to pay attention. Okay, that takes paying attention. If we've got to do all that, if we're going we're gonna to work on all that and, 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 and spend uh, our spiritual time working on a deeper, closer, stronger relationship with God and a, and a better uh, a better manifestation of the life of Christ before men so that we have a testimony so that we're able to witness and have some power in our witness. If we're going to do all that, we need to be, we need to have to work at this. So God tells us in that, in that verse, well, what is the word that? Verse, in verse 20, chapter 4, he says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings, hear what I got to say. And, then, and he says, let them not depart from thine eyes. Don't take your eyes off of them. But verse 21, he says, keep them in the midst of thine heart. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Now, I know this goes against our sinful nature. We have an inherited sinful nature that we got from our earthly first parents. And it's, but it's extremely important that we cultivate a heart that loves wisdom. You see, it's not natural to want to learn wisdom. It's natural to say, I know, I got it all figured out. I know, you nobody tell me nothing. I, I'm smart. I figure this stuff out for myself. That's the natural man's way of doing things. But God, God tells us, listen, we need to, we need to cultivate a heart that loves wisdom. That's kind of like you go out there in your yard and you say, I'm gonna put a garden in right there. Well, the problem is that soil may not be suitable to plant in. Uh, there may be weeds in there that need to be eradicated. That soil needs to be turned over. It needs to be worked first. You have to you have to cultivate a garden. You have to bust the soil up. You need to spend time in that place. You need to work it with a hole. You need to you need to get in there and get the things out that don't belong. There's all kinds of rocks and and sticks and and, and things in there that would not facilitate a good garden and also would mess up maybe mess up a tiller or something. You need to go through there. Maybe wire buried underground and junk. And you never know. You gotta break that ground up and make it suitable for plants to grow in. In the very same way we need to God says to keep these things in the midst of our heart. So we've got to work on cultivating the heart. Getting our heart ready to receive truth. <coughs> I can tell you, if you spend all your time with this world's entertainment, laughing at the devil's joke, looking at filth, filling your mind with garbage, you're going to have a hard time serving God. Matter of fact, you're going to have a hard time having a relationship with God 
because you're gonna you you're going to have ruined the ground that you want to put the word of God into. You've got to go to God and have Him clean that and get that where you can begin to make things right again. You need to you need to make sure your heart is right with God. You need to make sure it's clean with God. And and, and when when our heart is right with God, then we'll want wisdom. Let me let me try to make sure make sure you understand what I'm saying. If 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 wisdom is looked at as just a system of rules, do's and don'ts, threats from God, then we'll never understand the purpose of wisdom. You got to understand why God gives us wisdom. Wisdom is there to give us life, to give us health, to give us the power of God in our life. Wisdom is Christ personified in the Word of God. It's Christ. It, it shows us the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to keep it, God says, in the middle of our heart. It ought to fill our heart. We, our heart ought to be a reservoir of wisdom. So to get it, number one, we need to pray for it. We need to pray for that wisdom in our heart. James 1, 5 says, if any of, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give, that give us to all men liberally. That means he just hands it out. If you come to him and say, God, I want wisdom, God says, well, here, I've got all that you need. And he said, and he upbraideth not. That means God will never smack your hand and say, that's enough, or why are you asking for it? You're dumb, couldn't handle it anyway. No, God's not that way. God, God said it shall be given him. So God is, is very generous with his wisdom. But people are not looking for it like they ought to be. He's just cultivated. Work on it. You know, if you want to have a garden, I've learned this because I've had some, some good gardens. I've had some lousy gardens. If you want to have a good garden, you can put uh, have a good harvest. you got to put the time in. you got to do some work, and you got to you got to put the sweat in. And if you want to have the right kind of relationship with God, you've got to put some time in. You're going to have to spend some time with God. You're going to have to labor. You're going to have to, may, may be some tears involved. There may be some groaning involved as God begins to show you some things that are in there that he doesn't want in there. But I'm going to tell you, my friends, if you want life and you want it more abundantly, I'm, I'm telling you the secret tonight to help you. Not only should we pray for wisdom, we ought to pursue it. We ought to pursue it. We learned earlier when we were studying in Chapter 2, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her with, as for hid treasure, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. If we're really dedicated to finding out, then we'll find out. There won't be anything that can stop us. If you finally get get your your heart and mind latched on to the fact that God wants to God wants to be closer to you more than you want to be closer to him, you'll understand the invitation is there, the love is there, the arms are open, the hands are extended. God is reaching out for you, and he wants you to come to him. He's not standing there with a with a big hammer to smack you on the head. God wants to love on you. He just wants you to get next to him and find out who he is so that you can love him right. And and, and that takes us that takes us having a desire. You know, old preacher once said, a neglected Bible is the melancholy proof of a heart that's alienated from God. When you stop reading your Bible, that's, that's evidence right there. He said, for how can we have a spark of love for him if that book that is full of his revealed glory is despised? If you don't love the Bible, you don't love God because God revealed himself in the Word of God. So if you hate the Bible, you hate God. If you think the Bible's stupid, then you think God is stupid. And I, you say, well, that's my feelings, preacher. Well, on you because you know what? That's the truth. Amen? I don't mean that to be ugly. I'm just telling you, don't get mad at me because you're mad at God. And you know what? God will forgive you because he's big enough, he got big enough shoulders to forgive you if you're mad at him and you don't love him and you hate his guts. I'm going to tell you, he loves you anyway. You know what? The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, there ain't a thing you and I can do. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He thought he made the thing. 
All you need to do is understand you need it and accept it. I got to hurry. I got lots of ways to go. So I get done here tonight. And I know some of you sitting at home, but you're already rolling your eyes. <laughs> I love you too, brother. All right. So what did I say? I said that we ought to pray for wisdom. We ought to keep it in the midst of our heart. We ought to pursue it. All right. He says, for they are life unto those who find them. All right. For they are, he said, he said, let the, all right. Let not thy, let thy, let me back up and read from verse 20 now. My, my son, attend to my words and incline thine ear unto my saying. Let not, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Verse 22, for they are life unto them who find them and health to all their flesh. For they are life unto them that find them. God's word communicated through the words and the sayings of this father to his children. He's trying to communicate God's word so that it can bring life to them because God's word brings life. And what do you mean? I mean when when if, if you're a, if you're a if you're a saved individual and you're a student of the word of God, it will teach you how to live. Okay? It will teach you how to avoid the pitfalls of life. It will teach you to avoid danger. It will teach you to avoid evil. It will teach you to cling to God. It will teach you to seek his mercy. It will, look, it will teach you to look for him for your blessing and your reward in life. It, it will teach you that this world is not where you receive everything that's good for you. It's in the world to come. And here's where we're to serve him so that when we get there, we'll find that reward. There's so much to be learned in the word of God. They're life to them, to those who find them. Okay? There's reward in the pursuit of wisdom. This is not empty for nothing. There's reward at the end of the road if you pursue wisdom. So he tells us to keep your heart. All right? He tells us not only pay attention, but to keep your heart. Proverbs 4.23, listen to that verse of Scripture. Keep thy heart with all diligence. In other words, no matter what you do, make sure that you guard your heart. For out of it are the issues of life. So keep the heart with all diligence. No matter what you do, guard your heart. Because wisdom dwells in the middle of your heart. It dwells in you. I mean, I know our heart's a muscle. I understand all that. Pumps blood and all that. God's speaking about your mind, but he's speaking about the center of your being. He's speaking, he's not talking about that, that noodle in your head. He's talking about your thinker. He's talking about, he's talking about the part of you that, that, that's conscious, the part of you that makes decisions, the part of you that, 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 is, that, is, uh, that brings in information and, and processes it. He's saying, keep that, guard that, because that's where your wisdom dwells, Okay? And it's also necessary, then, to keep the heart. Keep it. Guard it, okay? We're not just to, like, take care of it, but, but guard it because it's crucial that we do. In the sense that Solomon meant here, the heart should be kept for wisdom alone, guarding it against the way of the wicked because the wicked wants to get a hold of your heart, folks. The wicked wants to tear your heart to pieces. It wants to beat it, bang it, stomp it flat, fill it full of garbage and and just leave it for dead. That's what the, that's what the devil in the in the world wants to do to your heart. Listen, I, I'll tell you, I'll prove it. Verse nineteen, we read it earlier. The way of the wicked is in darkness. There's no light there. They know not at what they stumble. I don't want to walk stumbling through the dark, and you don't either. But those who go through life without the wisdom of God, that's the way they go through it. Like I said, they grope at the wall. They grope at the wall like the blind. They can't see. 
Um, over in Ezekiel, speaking from Ezekiel's perspective, he talks about guarding your heart, keeping your heart. We can say that keeping your heart, it implies a heart worth keeping. Amen? That's why he's telling us to keep it, because it's worth keeping. A new heart, it's a heart worth guarding. Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six. listen to it. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. God come up and put a new heart in us, and when he saves us, you know what he does? He gives us a new heart. We don't think the way we used to think. We don't feel the way we used to feel. We have new desires because God has moved in, and he's changed us, and we're not the same. We're a new creature in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> you see, the heart's a reservoir. You can look at it maybe like we can use the example of a, of a water treatment plant out there uh, north of Paris that pumps water to the city of Paris. It's a reservoir. And water comes in there that's not clean. And so they've got to make sure that what comes out of there is clean before it leaves there. If that if that place is, is pumping out dirty water, it's going to go out. They don't make a difference how clean the pipes are. Don't mean it make any difference how clean the valves are. Don't make any difference how clean your faucets are. If the source is dirty, then what comes out is going to be dirty. Okay? If the reservoir is polluted, if your heart's polluted, listen to me. If you if you sit if you sit and soak up garbage all day long, if you sit and take in uh, filth all day long and garbage all day long, when you speak, you're going to spew that garbage. Because are you sat down and type on that computer on, on top of talking to people or strangers on Facebook or whatever, you're going to spew that garbage. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in there is going to come out. I mean, again, you won't get nothing out of there, but what's in? I promise. Um, you know, the Bible gives us some protective guidelines when it comes to our heart. I want, I want to share these with you. It, and the Bible warns us. It warns us to avoid a double heart. You know, we call it double-minded man, a double heart. Psalm uh, twelve two says, "They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, or empty words, with flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak." In other words, they they just they just their heart ain't right. They're just trying to take advantage of somebody else. They're just trying to trying to uh, trying to uh, fool somebody or, or cause somebody to think they're one way when they're really not. Uh, so we all might have a double heart, like. Like we'll be nice to one person and be that's called being fake. It's called being fake. It's called being fake to your neighbor and going in the house and talking trash about him. Or being fake to somebody you don't like it. Then the moment they walk away you tear them to pieces. We're not not to have a double heart. The Bible warns us not to have a hard heart. Proverbs twenty eight, fourteen, happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. When you harden your heart, God can't get through to you. God, God, again, God's not going to overrun you and force you into submission. God wants voluntary love. God wants voluntary submission and voluntary compliance. So God's not going to force you. And when you harden your heart, listen, you're, you're headed for danger. The Bible says you'll fall into mischief because without the protection, uh, without the guidance to walk with God, you're in trouble. You need him every step of the way. I can't stress that to you enough. Bible warns us not only to avoid the double heart, the hard heart, it avoids us the proud it tells us to avoid the proud heart. Proverbs twenty one four, a high look, a proud heart, the proud of the wicked is sin. God says, I like that. I like how God does things. 
And how I look, that's that cocky person that looks down their nose at somebody else. A proud heart thinks they're better than somebody else. And the Bible said, in the plowing of the wicked, you know, a wicked, a wicked farmer, he don't have to have pride, pride in his heart. No man don't give if he just a, if he ain't saved and he's out there plowing his field, God said it's sinful him out there plowing his field. He can't do nothing but not. What God's saying is if you if you have if you don't have him, you're sinful no matter what you do. Um, it warns us also to avoid an unbelieving heart. Well, I would think so. But Hebrews three twelve says, "Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God." God help us if we ever get to the point where we don't believe God's word. We're in danger, in grave danger at that point. And there's people who, who will sit there and tell you, oh, I just don't believe a, a fish swallowed a man. I just don't believe that sea parted. I, I, I just don't believe he come out of that grave after three days. Well, you you know, you go ahead and just go on to hell if that's what you want to not believe. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to believe God because God created this world and everything in it. Amen. He's the author and finisher of my faith. And I trust him with everything explicitly. We ought not have an unbelieving heart. We need to guard against it. It warns us against the cold heart. Matthew twenty four fourteen, because iniquity shall abound, and surely it has abounded everywhere. The love of many shall wax cold. You can look at society. Those of us who have a little frost on top, we know how it used to be, how people used to be neighborly and loving and helpful everywhere you turn. You didn't have a hard time finding somebody if you needed help. People, people were... People were a whole lot more good-natured and, and, and giving than they are today. Today, it seems like everybody's just, you know, our forward no more. Everybody stay out of my way. Leave me alone. I keep my head down and won't bother nobody. Nobody bother me. We're living in that kind of world. God tells us to be careful about that. Just because of Nick, just because of wickedness everywhere doesn't mean we can't keep showing people the love of Christ. We need to be careful and guard ourselves against getting cold because we shouldn't change with this world. This world is not... Uh, this world should not be dominating us. We ought not, not be moved by this world. We ought to be moved by God's word and his love for us. Uh, it also, lastly, it warns us to avoid an unclean heart. Psalm 51, 10, David speaks of after he had he had committed a great sin with Bathsheba and uh, and had her husband killed and, and he had gotten convicted over his sins. God has spoken to his heart and he, cre- he says, created me a clean heart. Because his heart was unclean, his sin had dirtied him up, and he knew it. he was unclean. He said, "Renew a right spirit within me." So God is warning us that we, you know, we need to keep our heart with all diligence. That's what He's saying: with all diligence, we're to keep it with all diligence. And with all diligence implies that it isn't easy to guard or keep your heart. That that was, that if you if you take a little time off, that that, that you'll lose your progress. Um, <clears throat> listen. There's going to be a lot of opportunities to give our heart to somebody or to a path that wisdom would warn us against. There are opportunities to go the wrong way everywhere. Uh, I mean, everywhere. It, it's on every TV screen. It's on every monitor screen, on every phone, on every bill, on billboards all down the road, in magazines, the advertisements. There are plenty of opportunities to go the wrong way. And wisdom, if we are vigilant, and diligent to guard our heart, wisdom will tell us that's a, that's a bad decision. That's a bad path. That's the wrong person. Don't go that way. God is God wants to drive. You understand? God wants to drive, but God's not going to force himself under the wheel. God wants you to get out, go around, and say, God, you get under the wheel and drive. I don't know what I'm doing. 
that God is my co-pilot, stupid. You get under, you get out, get out one of the wheel, let him drive. You be the, you be the, you be the rider, not the co-pilot. Let God do the drive. Like I said, we need to make sure that we do this with all diligence. Because listen, Satan. The Bible tells us that Satan is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So since he's walking around seeking whom he may devour. We got to make sure that we're working doubly hard, that we're vigilant and diligent to guard our heart, because that's what he's after. You see, because you see, once the fortress is taken, the whole town has to surrender, and our heart is that fortress. And if we guard that heart, then our life is our life is protected. But unless we're guarding our heart and and keeping it according to what God wants us to be, then then we're in trouble. Because if the heart is captured, listen to me, if the, if, the, if the devil through sin, lust, whatever, if he can capture the heart, then he's got the whole, he's got the whole man to sway it whichever way he wants to. Uh, he, he can sway a man's affections. He can sway a man's desires, uh, their motive, their pursuits. Everything will be handed over. Uh, it's just like you're handing them the steering wheel of your life when, when your heart is not guarded. And believe me, the devil's just waiting for an opportunity to get behind the wheel of your life and wreck you. That's what he wants to do more than anything else. God says, uh, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Okay? For out of your heart, out of your heart are the issues of life. There's a great reward to the person that guards their heart, keeping it for the wisdom of God. Much like the bodies kept for marriage, in God's way of doing things, a man and a woman should keep themselves pure until until they're married, uh, until their wedding night, or when they so choose to consummate. But it shouldn't be done beforehand. Uh, that's God, God's way of doing things. You keep yourself, and 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 that guards your body. And I can promise you, the reward of doing that is great versus someone who has been promiscuous. Uh, listen, the the beauty of it, the the joy of it, is diminished. Because of promiscuity, because of sin, sin diminishes joy of anything. Uh, it diminishes the joy of doing things God's way. And and listen, those who those who guard their heart, they enjoy life flowing from their heart, versus the jaded skepticism of the sinner. Because listen, once you get, once you get jaded in this old world, it's hard to to have that same innocent joy that you could have had. Uh, before you destroyed it by giving your heart, your mind to this to the filth of this world, uh, I, I wish I could go back. I wish I could go back and clean all that garbage out of my heart and mind. I wish so bad. I realize there's not any way. Once you hang things in the hall of your mind, they're there forever. But praise God, we can we can cast down those imaginations and everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Amen. And take it captive for Christ's sake. Thank God He tells us that we can do that. The unguarded heart, listen to me, the unguarded heart sees the world as choking the joy and pleasantness of life. That's why people get depressed. That's why Christians get depressed, because they're not guarding their heart. And see, Satan begins to take advantage, and, 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 and it changes them the way they view things. They begin to see, they begin to look at themselves and not look at God. And, uh, and then they begin to see the world as, as just absolutely destroying them and choking all the joy out of the Christian life, taking away all the happiness of life. But the guarded heart's protected. And, and, and 
you know what? Having said all that, you know, I said about a jaded heart, but you know what you can do tonight, right now even? Uh, you can get on your knees right now and ask God to clean your heart. Ask God to remove the things that are haunting you, to, to, to absolutely cover it in his blood and set you free from bad memories of things that you've done in your past. Listen, if you've, if you've confessed it and you've asked God to forgive you, you've repented of it, then it's gone. And if the devil's reminding you of it, go to God. Say, God, the devil bothered me about this, and I want to give it to you. I want you to wash it in the blood of Jesus and make it go away. I don't ever want to think about it again. You know, he can do that. He has that kind of power. He can get your mind on the right things. Um, one of the great attractions to the way of wickedness, why so many people go after the way of wickedness, is that, I ain't going to lie to you, it's fun. Sometimes sin, sin can be fun, but it's only fun for a season. Uh, you know, some sin feels good. It's, it's enjoyable. But it always leads to destruction. You know, uh, if the devil, all he had was miserable things to hand you, nobody would ever take them. That, uh, again, he promises all kinds of things. Um, you know, again, sin can be fun, sin can be pleasant, and, and, and only for a short time. And it'll bring you a it'll bring you a superficial happiness for a short while. But I want you to know that's all a lie because it all turns to ruin. As Dr. John Rice used to say, all of Satan's apples have worms. Every one. It may taste good first bite. You get to the middle, there's a worm in it, I can assure you. And and though it may not be immediately obvious, all of God's commands are for our happiness. Even though they might not seem like it on the on the outset. But they're all for our happiness and our good. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So, <clears throat> even though guarding your heart with all diligence may mean uh, having to say a temporarily painful no to yourself, to your flesh, when you, when you don't want to do, I mean, when you know that you shouldn't do what your flesh wants to do, but but the overall result is going to lead to your happiness, to your joy and pleasantness. But if we pollute our hearts, we pollute our lives, not just us. Understand that. When you fill your life with pollution of sin, you're not just hurting you. You're hurting all those that love and care about you because you can't. Nobody's an island. Everything you do affects everybody that you're in contact with. And, and it's really that simple. We pollute our heart, we pollute our lives, and, and the devil is working overtime on you. I promise you that. I hope you guard your heart. I hope you're really, right now, trying to guard your heart. I hope you've been doing that, but if not, I hope and pray you'll start now. I hope you'll take this serious, because if you don't, the devil will steal you blind. Um, and then next, we see, we see a plea to stay on the right path. Proverbs 24-27, the last part of, the, of this passage. He gives a plea to stay on the right path. He says in this passage, he says, Put away from me a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on and thine eyelids. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. And we're not touch on every word, but I want to hit most of it. Uh, first of all, he said, Put away from thee a froward mouth. If we're going to stay on the path of the just, friends, we're going to have to pay attention to what we say. You have to watch our mouth. When he says, put away from me a froward mouth, uh, froward means deceitful words and perverse words. Those are the words 
those words, deceitful words and perverse words, we use them to, to cover deceitful and perverse actions. And they lead us further along the way of the wicked. Uh, anybody's got a nasty mouth or a lying mouth, again, they're headed down a bad, bad road. <clears throat> if, somebody, if somehow, if it were possible that you could actually avoid speaking in an impure or perverse way, never say anything impure or perverse, and you could make up your mind and never do anything that had to be covered with a lie, then you go a long way to avoid the pitfalls and the works of the wicked. You go a long way to living a life that pleased God if you could just do those two things, avoid those two things. Uh, a heart right with God will control the tongue. You get somebody that wants to be right with God, they'll, they'll clean their mouth up. When somebody gets saved, you know, they may have cursed like a sailor before, but after they get saved, you know what? They'll end up saying something, but they'll, they'll go, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. You know why they? You know why all of a sudden they're conscious of it? Because the Spirit of God lives in them, and the Holy Spirit of God convicts them and says, that's wrong. You shouldn't say that anymore. So a heart right with God will control the tongue, and it will avoid perverse or corrupt speech. Because words flow out of the heart. So, you know, like I said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So we, if we fill our heart with the right things, we seek after wisdom, we, if we, we protect our heart diligently and, and, and fill it with wisdom, then what will come out of us is the wisdom of God and not the perverse things of this world. Um, another thing I want to address is, is, is habits of talk. And I have to work on these things too, believe me. I'm a sarcastic person. I love, a sar- I love sarcastic humor, and I know that doesn't always work in the ministry. So I have to be careful how I, how I use sarcasm. Uh, but we, we have to be careful the way we talk because, of what, again, what we say, we hear, and it works on the mind. What, the kind of things that come out of our mouth goes in our own ears. So cynical talk, we spend our time just being critical and cynical constantly of things. That will start working on our mind, and we'll turn into a cynical person. Grumbling all the time. I know I get it. With, you know, when you get older, you hurt a lot. Uh, if things don't work like it used to, uh, you know, you forget things. You forget where you put things. Uh, it just seems like life gets more difficult the further we go. But it shouldn't turn us into a bitter person. God has provided enough mercy and grace for every stage of life, and there have been a many people who've been made it ahead of time ahead of us, and they made it with that grumbling and griping the whole way. Another another thing, again, and if you, if you grumble all the time, you turn into a bitter person. Another one is silliness, you know, and there's, there's, all, there's time for laughter. There's time to cut up a little bit, but if that's all we do, and some people are that way, they just, everything about them, they just act silly all the time. And, and, and that, kind of, that kind of behavior is not, is not uh, becoming for a believer because a believer, the Bible talks about us being grave or serious. You know why? Because we're in a, we're in a serious business and we're, and we're on a serious mission and we have a serious God who sent his son on a very serious mission to, to pay the debt for our sins. And we're, we're to win this world of Christ and that's serious. So there's not a lot of time for silliness in this, in this, in this Christian life. Uh, you know, habits to talk like telling half-truths Listen, a white lie is still a lie. It doesn't make any difference. What you call it, you shouldn't do it. Uh, crit- just run around being critical of everything. We ought to be careful that we don't do that. Listen, you know, I know you, your mom and mine both said, if you can't find something good to say about somebody, don't say nothing at all. Sometimes it's good to just keep your mouth shut. 
I know it's hard sometimes. It's hard for me sometimes. But the best thing we do is learn to keep our mouth shut and pray for somebody instead of tearing them down. And if we continually talk cynically, grumble, act silly with our words, tell half-truths and criticisms, those things turn into well-established habits of thought. And we do it then subconsciously. So we need to guard, again, guard ourselves against those things. The Bible tells us to let thine eyes look right on. And the reason for that is too often we, we leave the path of the just just because we're distracted. We get distracted in life. You know, we're easily distracted. I don't, I don't know what, if it's this way with everybody, but I sometimes wonder if I don't have a little bit of ADHD or ADD sometimes because I'm so easily distracted. I, I'm pretty sure I must have, even though I was born before they they just said he's just he's just an overactive child. That's what they called me. But uh, like I said, we get distracted so easy. I do it when I'm preaching. Sometimes I get distracted. There's a reason why you know when they got when they got horses pulling wagons and important things in there. Well, they'll They'll put those blinders on those horses. There's a reason why they put those blinders on there to pull them wagons. And it would do us good if we'd all fit ourselves for a pair of them. Because if we stay focused on what's right in front of us, we do a whole lot better than when we're getting distracted all the time. And God tells us to keep our eyes focused on what's right in front of us. He tells Jesus, as a matter of fact, tells us that if, if we're going to be fit for his kingdom, we'll have to keep our eyes to the front, looking forward, not distracting to the side, the side or backwards behind us. Luke 9, 62, he says, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. And I know I've shared this with you, but again, you can't plow a straight road if you're looking behind you or off to the side. I used to ride behind, and I'm going to tell off on myself, but I used to ride behind my papa down the road going somewhere, and I'd get behind them, or a lot of old men. They'd drive down the road. But, you know, of course, like some old men, they got to check on every. Every pond and every cow when they drive down the road, make sure ain't nothing changed since the last time they went to town. And, uh, you know, my papa always, he'd look over there, and next thing you know, he'd be nearly in the road ditch. So he'd look over there, and he'd nearly run across the road. Where are we looking? That's where we're headed. So that's kind of what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about putting your hand to the plow. Because, you, again, you can't pull a straight, uh, plow a straight road if you're looking behind yourself. You'll go every which way. So, God wants us to make sure we're looking straight forward. And then he says the, the, the thing that pairs with it so perfectly, ponder the path of thy feet. Well, if you're not looking straight in front of you, you're not thinking about where you're going. So that's why he says ponder the path of thy feet. Let me just put it to you like this. If we could learn to think about where we're headed on our present path, if I keep doing this, where's this going to lead me to? If I keep making these bad choices, what is that going to lead me to? If I keep reading uh, read my phone instead of reading the Bible, what does that lead me to? If I keep watching my TV, my favorite TV show instead of spending some time with God in prayer, what is that leading me to? We need to consider, ponder the path of our feet. And if we would do that, it might lead us to some wiser living. When we carefully consider where we're headed, we need to. It'll help us establish a wise decision a wise direction, get us get us going in the right right direction and help us not to turn to the right nor the left. Because God tells us not to, and Joshua 1, 7 even says it, only be thou strong 
and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do all uh, observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. And he says, Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. You know God wants you to prosper. Now, that don't mean God wants you to be filthy rich. Not like you and I both know that. I'm not trying to pull a Joel Osteen on you or anybody like that. I'm just simply saying God wants your life blessed. You know, the richest men I know don't have a lot of money. They just have a very close relationship with the Lord Jesus. And I know some very wealthy men when it comes to the spiritual things. And I'm grateful. And I got a little change in my pocket, too. Seriously, I'm thankful for my relationship with God. It's not that I'm bragging. I'll tell you right now, I'm nothing what I want to be. And I'm, but thank God I'm nothing compared to what I used to be. And, and you pray for me because I want to grow. I want to get closer to the Lord. I want to be I, uh, like that song that Brother Mark wrote, uh, more like you, less like me. That's what I long to be. I want to be more like him and less like me because of that. Because if I'm following me or I'm following others, I'm going the wrong way. I want to follow Jesus. I want to ponder the path of my feet and make sure I'm not going the wrong path. And, and, and be careful. Some people they, they look at, at somebody like me and they say, "Well, you're just you're you're just too too careful. You're or you're you're missing out. You're you're not uh, you don't know what you're doing." Well, I'm telling you something. I tried it my way. It didn't work. It did not work at all. It was a distor- It was a, it was it was a distorted view of how the world was supposed to be. <clears throat> but I want to finish with this tonight because <clears throat> that's what he says. He says, "Ponder the path of thy feet." Let all thy ways be. Make sure you're going with God. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. So, in other words, keep walking straight. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The Bible tells us looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We're to make sure we're looking to him. Not turning to the right nor to the left. The distractions of life, we're not to pay attention to them. We're to pay attention to our walk with Jesus and keep our eyes on him. You know, let me tell you why it's so important. Nobody backslides by themselves. They always take somebody with them. Always. Everybody's got a friend who's watching. Everybody's got a loved one, family member that's watching them. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I'll never forget the day I was walking across the parking lot of Longview Baptist Temple so many years ago. And, and Dr. Bob Bowen, who was on staff there, he's a great missionary to... Uh, Cambodia and, and uh, places like that. And he's done tremendous work for God, one of my favorite preachers. He shouted at me from across that great big parking lot, Brother Teague, watch where you step. I was walking across the parking lot. I mean, it's a freshly paved parking lot. And I thought, what in the world is he talking about? And then he said, somebody's following you. Turned around. And my then four-year-old, five-year-old son, my first son, was following me in the church. And you know, his words were so profound because I realized every choice I make is going to impact this little boy. Every decision that I choose to make is going to impact his life. It's going to either teach him to succeed or fail. It's either going to teach him to walk with God or not. And whether he takes hold of it or not is irrelevant. That's That's up to him, but it's up to me set that path in front of him. I've still got that little girl in here. She's two years old. She's got to learn how to walk with God. So it's important even now, even though my other children are grown. It's still important. 
that I maintain a walk with God, that I ponder the path of my feet, that I'm diligent in keeping my heart. And those of you that are grandparents and great-grandparents, you've not, you've not hit no stretch of the road where you can relax. We've got to maintain our vigilance to keep our hearts because others are following us. Folks, it's 8 o'clock. I've talked to you off for an hour. God's good. His word's good. And I'll say to you, if you're out there watching and you're not saved, you can be saved tonight. Jesus died for your sins. He did everything that was necessary. He paid for your sins. His Wayne went to the cross. He didn't have any sins of his own. He was paying for yours. It's paid for. He said it's finished. That was one of the last things he said. Man, it's paid in full. All your payment. All you have to do is bring your sins and lay them down. Say, God, I can't carry these no more. I need to be washed clean. He'll wash you clean your whole life. He'll wash every bit of it, all your sins. Uh, past, present, and future, he'll wash them away in his blood. If you'll come to Jesus, believing that he is God's only son, that he died for you, and that he was buried, rose from the grave, put your faith in him right where you're at. A prayer won't get you saved. It's believing it will. But you could pray to him right now and let him know you believe on him and say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm lost. I know I need to be saved. I ask you please to forgive me. Wash me clean. Wash my sins away in your blood. I trust you and believe on you and only you to be my Savior. Save me now and give me heaven as my home. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed to him now and you meant that from your heart, then you're saved. And we're brothers in Christ. We're sister, brothers and sisters in Christ. I just want to give you some encouragement. Get in touch with us. Come see us in Clarksville at Temple Baptist Church. We'd love to have you, and we'd love to tell you more about how to walk with God. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, been good to be with you. I, again, I covet your prayers. As, uh, as this thing begins to get a little worse, just pray for us that we'll make it through it just fine, and we look forward to being back with you soon. Look forward to, to uh, meeting with you on Sunday morning at 11. So uh, that'll be our service for Sunday. It'll be 11 a.m. So please stay tuned and tune in with us then. And may God bless you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, bless us now. Father, we ask you to bless the ones who listen. Father, bless the ones that couldn't listen tonight. Lord, I pray your favor be poured out on all of them. I pray, Lord, that they know you in your fullness. I pray you draw each one of them to yourself. Father, I pray, Lord, you convict those that are in sin. Lord, those that have sin in their life that's unconfessed. Convict them and show them their need to confess it to you and be clean. Lord God, those who are listening, they're not saved. Lord, they've not yet trusted Christ. I pray they would. Lord, I pray the word of God would manifest itself in our hearts and, and draw us into a tighter, closer relationship with you, Lord, that we might be a blessing to others. Father, I thank you for this ministry. Help us now. Bless us as we as we depart, and bless us until we come together again. And we'll give you all the glory and all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. And have a great night. We'll see you soon. God bless y'all. Hope y'all heard everything. Bye.